enter this part of the service Lord history will never be the same because of that day on Calvary mankind will never be the same and Lord we who have entered in to your saving grace can never be the same mercy unmerited favor and grace has rewritten our lives and it's all because of the goodness and the loving kindness of our Heavenly Father Lord as we pause now to remember as you commanded us it's for a reason Lord we need you we need to remember where we came from what was done for us in order that we can have a correct balance and outlook. Would you, Lord, come as we just take this simplicity tonight and enter this service? I pray, O oh Lord, your portion would be over every home, over every family. I pray it would also extend, Lord, to those that aren't with us tonight. Some are traveling. Lord, we remember also those that are not in the place they should be, the wayward, those that are drifted. But we stand here tonight and we remember them in this hour. Lord, we remember our brother Jerry Fox as he's at home tonight. Lord, his wife, worn out, and needing a touch, Lord, would your spirit descend over that home? Lord, we remember those that couldn't be here tonight. I pray, O oh Lord, you'd be everyone's portion. Bless the word now, Lord, as we open the pages. Now open our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll invite you to go to your Bible. Thank you to the musicians. Let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 23. We will start the reading in verse 33. I'm going to 
speak tonight on the cross ever before us, and I will try to be an appropriate amount of time so that we can engage in the ordinances, but uh, the Bible told us to show the Lord's death till He come, and that is not just as a symbol, as just a, an act we go through, but it's something that's real and genuine. It's heartfelt. It's not feeling sorry for him, but it's recognizing what he did and how we could never be the same. As we start reading from verse 33, and then they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then said, Jesus, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. And the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? Dost thou fear God? Not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Surely this was a righteous man. In another place it says, Surely this was the Son of God. God bless you. you may have your seats. I'm going to try to take this <clears throat> from a couple of perspectives. Not one of us was there that day. 
we can only account of pictorial events. We can only take what maybe has been described in different ways, but it can only be really made real by Jesus Christ himself. So I'm going to take a little different approach, and out of all of the apostles, there was only one that wasn't privy to this event, and that was Paul. And I'm going to just take a little bit of Paul's perspective for a little bit, so go with me from the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up the reading in verse 18. Now Paul, even though he wasn't there, and he refers to himself as one born out of season, Paul always advocated the cross. And he puts it in these perspectives, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer? Of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that there be not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. In other words, if Paul would be looking at you, he'd be saying, you're kind of the off-scouring. You really, there was nothing in you that, that God should look upon you and bring you to this place. But he's a little more polite. And he says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen you and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness 
and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorious, let him glory in the Lord. So we're coming here tonight not because we lived a pretty good life this last week, not because we've dressed right, not because of these things, but we're coming here for one reason, and that is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at this from the point of the observers, the thieves on the cross, Jesus Christ himself. They witnessed people walking around, railing on him, and they themselves were. They witnessed the deeds that were done to him. Of all of the religions of the world, Christianity is one of the most unique and yet despised. Islam rejects the notion of a sin-bearing Savior. The Koran, each one bears or reaps the fruit of their own deeds. The Muslim world believes Jesus was a prophet, but to them it's unthinkable that a, such a major prophet could come to such an end. Hinduism accepts that the part of history, but it rejects his saving ability. Humanism, in many forms, the contemporary world, they reject the notion of the cross. One Oxford professor in England, I believe, he said, of all the religions in the world, he says, the one that rests its doctrines on the original sin and vicarious atonement, Christianity is the worst of them all. To put it all back to an original sin, to put it all back to one man coming in. But yet the Bible says, by one man sin entered the world, by one man we are saved from sin. It's intellectually contemptible. It's morally outrageous, this professor would say. And in the last, let's just say it, 100, 200 years, there's been a liberal thinking that's been introduced into Christianity. The essence is Christianity is put on a pedestal and polished, and it's maybe emblematic of the Sermon on the Mount. Do good to all men. Do all of these things. Jesus is the leader of a, of a group that, that, that tells them a do good. And, and you know, they, they try to remove the aspect of the cross from the teachings of Jesus. But that is satanic. Because we will always, as Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we, I, I just think, you know, Christianity gets reduced. The song, a group came, and I think Boney M is their name, and man shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day. It, it becomes such a far-fetched removal from what is real. And if we're not careful, it enters into our thinking. 
Thank God he sent a prophet. And that's all there's to it. Thank God for the message. Thank God that we have a church. What about the cross? Where would we be? We wouldn't even have a message. We wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for the fact that a loving God, above all, who despised sin, decided to come into the form of flesh. And in the form of flesh, I'll bear their sin. I'll become a kinsman redeemer. I'll take their sin upon them. They don't have anything to do with it. I will do this. That is the basis of our faith and that alone. There is nothing I could have done. There is nothing you could have done. There is no righteousness we have. It's all in Him. To take the cross or the atonement out is to place ourselves in great danger. To put more emphasis on doctrine without the cross is to Take something that is of needed value. It's almost the same as Adam taking a fig leaf to cover himself. It did nothing. It's offensive. Paul would speak here, and he talks about to some, to the Jews, Christ crucified was a stumbling block. To the Greeks, it's foolishness. It's a cross of offense to the world. Paul, all those years of learning scholarly and, and learning the scrolls, he was the only one who never met the Lord Jesus face to face, physically. But he had an encounter that was so real that Paul, with all of his learning, he would go into a place in Acts chapter 17, And he would go into a place where all they talked about is what's new and what's this. He could have come in there and he could have with his intellect and with his power and with with all of his learning, he could have bamboozled them. But yet Paul would say none of those things and he would point back to one event, the cross. 1 Corinthians... (coughs) 2 verse 4, or rather verse 3, Paul said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and in power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The central part of our experience or our theology, everything we do and everything Paul did everywhere he went, he would speak. It was about what God had done. And he would actually bring it in very real terms. And even on the day of Pentecost when Peter says, this this Jesus whom you crucified, this Jesus has become the Messiah. This Jesus. And Paul would always refer back to that. If you go in the streets today, amongst the people of the world, and you would look at all of the 
economic turmoil, the turmoil among nations. But you take it right down to a street level, the battles in the mind and, and the things people are going through and the addictions and the groaning of the earth. And you would tell them that the answer to all of these things was solved 2,000 years ago by one man coming and dying. And if you can accept that, you don't have to live like this. I'll tell you what, they look at you like, who in the world are you? But that is the truth. It is the answer. The answer is not seminars or psychology. The answer is not do good programs. The answer is in the cross. One man dying, 33 AD, one man changing the course of history. And I'll just say it this way. History, it had a fall. It had a breach. It had something. But this man came to stand in the breach. This man came to connect us back. And I'll say the world's history can never be the same again. That's when a book of life became a lamb's book of life. And it was those that he'd come that were always known to him that were redeemed. Peter different ones who believed they would keep talking about this and they were talked as Agrippa said to to Paul, he said Paul, too much learning has made you mad. He came into the world, that's a fact. He lived, he died, he was innocent and he arose again. Those are facts. Now, not everybody has known that. Not everybody's experienced it. But when it's received into the heart and then experienced, then it is the power of God to us. What a foolish scene it was. Three crosses that were there. Three crosses. On one side, there was a thief. On the other side was a thief. Let's call them that. They're, the Bible called them malefactors. And one of them, in contempt, he said, if you're really who you say you are. And they've been listening to everything going on. They'd listen to the soldiers. They'd listen to the religious leaders. They'd listen to all of this. And they're going up there. And, and they're catching the, the idea, this guy, the cross in the middle, this guy's got either something or, or, or nothing. And the one man says, hey, if you really are who you say are, then save yourself and me too. And the other guy He'd been sitting back and he'd been observing, he'd been watching something, and he recognized, wait a minute, look at him. He's done nothing. I'm the one who's guilty. Now just begin to take that for a moment. And he begins to take that, and he begins to call out his friend or his buddy, the other guy on the cross, saying, this man has done nothing. You and I are here because we deserved it. But he's done nothing. Don't you care? Don't you understand? And then he, it isn't very long, and then he looks to Jesus and said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Man in his nature is rebellious to God. Man... <coughs> needs an encounter with the cross. 
to an unbeliever, which we all were at some point, the gravity of the human condition, the sin, the things that come in our hearts and our minds are against God, against righteousness. It's rebellion, it's alienation, it's brokenness. And if you begin to take those things and you just try to reform them, it doesn't change a thing. Well, if you just do this and if you just change that, you need to come to a place where you come to the foot of the cross where it's God and you alone and you know that man took my place. It's not based on our righteousness. The seven feasts that we referred to this morning. The first feast was the Passover. And under the ordinance of the Passover, they would take a lamb, a lamb that was clean, a lamb that was pure, a lamb that was innocent, and they would keep that lamb up for four days. And they would examine that lamb, and when they'd find no fault in him, that lamb became their Passover that allowed God to pass over them. Now that was a type, but it was fulfilled many years later when the true Lamb of God stood before Pilate and for four days, and Pilate himself would say, I have examined him, there is no fault in him. Friends, it's not you and I that are under question when we come to the communion table. It is the lamb that is in question, the one that took our place. That's the one that's in question. And you can look unto him and live. You don't have to go on your merits. You don't have to go on what you're doing. But you just look to him and live. That's the real lamb of God. That's real religion. That's real Christianity. <clears throat> our, human, our humanity, we want to take human ability, we want to pump it up, we want to say, okay, that happened back there, it turned my life around, now I'm on the good path, now everything's going good. Now I can add some good teaching. Now I can do some things. And we work on the basis of our potential and what we can do. Somewhere that's going to fail. The cross can never be removed from our experience. Without the cross, we become either arrogant. We become self, uh, self-work oriented. We become, it's our faith. It's what we do. It's what I did. But that is not what the gospel is. And we can go so far that way, it becomes a comparative gospel. Gospel. Well, I'm a little better than the person down the pew from me. Or I've got a little bit more than they got. And we begin to look from the wrong perspective. But the real perspective is at the foot of the cross. That's your brother that was saved. That's your sister that was saved. It was only under the cross that we have mercy. How dare we judge someone? How dare we look on someone that is under the blood of the cross? I won't be much longer. I want you to think about this thief on the cross. 
Jesus would die. This thief died. It doesn't really say whether he died before or after. But this man now made his entrance into paradise. And he comes there. And he said, who are you? He said, well, I, I, I was just hanging on a cross up there. Oh, how did you get here? Oh, I don't know. Well, like, what, what merits can you bring here? Uh, I don't know. I don't have any. Well, well, well <laughs> okay, where do you stand with the Scripture and the scrolls? I, I, I don't, well, what church did you? I never went to a church. Well, how did you get here? Wow. I, I don't know. Well, 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 you know, on what basis do you think you're entitled? That guy on the middle cross there, he invited me to come here. He told me to come here. It isn't my merits. It's him and him alone. It isn't what I did. It isn't my works. It isn't all those things. It's in the cross. It's in Christ alone. That alone is my glory. That alone is my salvation. That alone is all the righteousness I've got. I've got nothing else outside of that. If we don't keep the cross before us, we start trusting in our own experiences. We start trusting in our own works. We start taking our eyes off the cross and we're now examining others around us for good or for bad. You start giving just lip service to the cross. Friends, it's gotta be a reality. Let me just tell you this. This is not a story. This is not my perspective. This is not my way of seeing things. This is not that what happened there actually happened. The blood that was drawn from Jehovah's veins became personified in the person of Jesus Christ. And he gave his life willingly. And only if you meet him in this life, only if you accept that, that's the only way that you can be there. It's not just about saying, oh, I've got, I'm under the message. Well, the message is the cross. You can't take the feast of the Passover out of the seven feasts and have the same set of feasts. You can't take Pentecost out of it. You can't take the Feast of Tabernacles out of it. But it's the core of everything that we are. Brother Marshall's going to have a witnessing. If we're not careful, we'll go out there and say, we got a church, such and such, we need more members. Come on over. That's not the message. They may never come to our church, but maybe they've got a hope. And if you have the cross before you, you can actually begin to be an effective witness. You don't just have religion. You're not just looking for more members, but there's something Oh, we need to come, keep coming back to it. Why do we have a communion, Brother Ed? Because we need to remember him. 
We need to remember that this is the great playing leveler. We don't look down on anybody. We don't think we're looked down on. And we have no right to judge everybody by ourselves. We have only one place that we look to, and that's the cross. This may not be the regular format for a communion service, but this is not a message of condemnation. Because whatever state we're in right now, just as you are, you come to Him. Fanny or Crosby, so inspired, just as I am, I come to Thee. A thief came, one who had no church background, no religious background, no nothing, but Jesus accepted him as he was. And we need to come on the same basis. Well, I'm in the last age because God saw something special. Oh, my goodness. Let's get over that. We are who we are only by the grace of God. Let's have the musicians come. Let's keep a confidence. Brother Stephen Abali spoke about staying behind those walls. When I'm behind the cross, it lets me look on my brother and sister the right way. It lets me act like he acted. Don't come to condemn. The message is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's the truth. There's no middle ground on this. It's not an intellectual conception. Jeremiah would say the human heart is so deceitful it deceives ourselves. But God came in flesh to go beneath that, to get to a place where he can touch your heart and you can know he's God and he's real. And when you get on the other side, you'll be looking for him. I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Let's sing a couple of verses of the old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering
time we're laying aside our robes of righteousness we're laying aside all thoughts so I've been a Christian no we're laying it all aside and even if we were wrong coming here right now there's a cross come stand with me let's sing this last one together he's Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever I need him. I want him in truth and reality. I don't want religion. I don't want the message without the cross. I don't want the doctrine without the cross. I don't want my attitude. I, I want him. I want him to be in me. I want to identify with him. Is that your desire? Let's sing this together. To the old sometimes just forget where we came from 
We get bumped, we get calloused, we get bruised. But oh God, bring us back to the foot of the cross. I pray for everyone here. I pray, oh Lord, you know hurts, you know things. Maybe even some unforgiveness. But Lord, right now we want to lay it down. Maybe some hardness. But oh God, we want to come to the cross. Lord, we'll be partaking of the elements right away. Let it mean something. Let it not even be just in the act, but in what's behind the act. One day we're going to meet you, Lord. But until then, we want to remember you. Would you come in our midst, Lord? Now as we open the scripture, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul would just say, <coughs> in verse 23, For I have received of the Lord, which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, was in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, which when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Whosoever shall eat and drink this bread of the, of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. Can I just stop there for a minute? It's not, all we want to do is come sincerely, honestly. It's not now based on your works because he took all those things upon himself. But it's just based on having a right attitude coming here. He's the one who took it all. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for the other. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. The rest will I set in order when I come. Amen. Why don't the deacons come forward? And as we come forward, we're going to break the bread. And if you've got a song, you can sing. You can start singing. You can have your seats. And then we'll, we'll proceed. I am
Jesus, loose the chains of sin and set me free. Father, as was commanded by the Apostle Paul, the one who proclaimed your death wherever he went, the one who made himself nothing, following the example of our Lord Jesus, 
Lord, he gave us this order. And today we're not just following it historically, but we want to come in deep reverence. And so, Lord, I'm asking as we as a body, as this church here, follows through on your command, Lord, let it not just be a form, but let it be with a deepness. And Lord, may you come and make the cross of Calvary more real to us today. And Lord, that only through you do we have salvation. Bless the wine. Bless the bread that we've broken. Lord, may everyone that partakes receive the benefit. Lord, there's healing in the cup. Lord, you told us, Lord, if we do these things, Lord, that the blessing of God would be upon us. So I'm asking now, Lord, bless these elements as we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I mentioned this morning, we do have the cup, but we also have the couplets. So when you come up here, if you feel more comfortable having one of the couplets, the individual cups, you're welcome to do that. And I understand that for health reasons, we want to be able to do that. But we also want to take our time. So when you come up here, Brother Jake will also be holding a cup. If you choose to do that, that's fine too. But the point is, come up here, remember the Lord. And then when you drink, drink here, and then you'll move down the road, okay? We're going to start. Um, there's some elder with us, some that can't come up here, I believe, we're going to come to your seat, and we're going to serve you at your seat. If there's anybody that would like to have the same and you want to raise your hand, let the deacons know. I think we're going to start with Sister Hilda. We're going to do that for her first. Go ahead, brothers. Oh, the precious love of In the desert where nothing grows 
I love him, I love him. I love him. I love
lonely hill to dark Calvary. What is man that a king would leave his glory above and suffer in
Free to live.
Let's sing that together one time. such a wonderful heavenly father oh it was amplified in Adam it was a part of God he could not bear to see his that part of him go lost in sin so he stepped in the gap and he redeemed her knowing it would cost him everything but it was only a type of the real the real Adam the Lord Jesus Christ together with Water baptism, communion, there's one other ordinance left for the church, and that is of foot washing. In John 13, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of the world. Unto the Father, having loved his own, that were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil now having put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all, all things into his hands, he was come from God, he went to God. He rose from supper, and he laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, and he girded himself. When you do that today, think of the example. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but you shall know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus said unto him, If I wash thee not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet, but my hands, my head. Jesus said, He that washeth needeth not to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. And for he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So after he had washed his, their feet, he taken his garments, and he sat down, and he said, Know you not what I have done to you? You call me Lord and Master and Lord, for you say, Well, for I am. If I, then being your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. That's the example. So we want to follow that example. We're going to have the sisters remain up here. We have set aside two chairs at the end. If there's somebody elderly who cannot bend down, somebody can go up there and they can wash their feet if they so desire. We're going to have the brothers go downstairs today. We've cleared out the space. We're able to do that. So let's just go fulfill the word of God. The Bible says, if you do these things, happy are you that do them. 
And I want to be happy in the Lord. Don't you? Amen. Amen. Let's just sing a chorus. I know what we usually sing. <laughs> and we can sing that if you want to. But um, are you washed by the water of the word? Let's just sing the first part of that. And then we'll go. Do you know what it is Not to have one guilty feeling Not to know That's found fortune and fame. 
just a fitting thing if we can end the night on it. it's the short well it's a little testimony I can't say it's completely short but let me share it it's from brother Thomas and sister Catherine and there's a young man here that was clapping his hands named brother justice earlier this year in March justice encountered a spiritual attack which led to a total mental breakdown and inability to function normally at home and school he was transferred to community hospital he was certified a mental case, transferred to Stollery Children's Hospital, admitted to the mental health unit at the Royal Alex. He was tested for alcohol and drug abuse, nothing found. Further tests with EEG, brain scan, blood works. They could find nothing medically wrong with him and were not able to give a possible cause of this breakdown except their mental diagnosis of a mental condition called schizophrenia. He was subjected to different treatments and medications and there were temporary relief. Some even worsened his condition after. At this point, we called on Brother Ed the church to pray for justice. He was prayed for several times at the church, also visited and prayed for. Justice was discharged and readmitted in hospital about three times from March to June. He missed a huge chunk of his schoolwork his latest discharge was the close to the end of June. He was entered into a Bridging the Gap program at the Glen Rose. During this time, he was taking a once-a-month once injection to regulate his mental state. However, this medication we labor came to find out was doing more damage to the body than good. Justice became a shadow of himself, feeling tired, out of strength, and sleepy or drowsy most of this time. During the period of this attack. The enemy is ruthless. The enemy is ruthless. Justice attempted to take his life twice because of how his mental state was taking a toll on him. He was not able to function. As a family, we did all we could. With all the emotional and spiritual support, it was not easy because of how he was being affected negatively. We kept believing on God that he'll be completely delivered no matter what it takes. In August, we decided to embark to an earlier planned trip to BC. We took the break and just needed the change of environment. The trip also included attendance at the Mount Baker summer camp meetings. After being in BC the first week, they headed to the camp. They crossed the border to the US, had some challenges with their car, hotel. The work was the work of the enemy, but we committed everything to God. Before attending the services, we had prayed to God to give a confirmation that justice would be delivered. The Saturday night evening service, Brother David Meyer, who preached, mentioned a case exactly related to what justice was going through. And immediately, we felt that was a confirmation. God was going to deliver him. Shortly after, there was an altar call. They spoke with the brothers at the altar call. The Brother David related a case similar. They responded affirmatively and prayed for him and the entire family. Now, the doctors had told him that justice um, would, would never be his normal self and totally delivered of this demon. It was against the doctor's recommendation to admit justice to a day school. Um, he went through a number of things. In short, the medical community offered no hope. 
However, after leaving the meeting in August, Justice has not taken any medication of which the doctor said He has been attending classes. He has been going to school without any issues as the teachers have attested to. All in all, it's been good news. I want to use this opportunity to thank God for giving my family strength and perseverance. As mentioned earlier, it was not easy, but God was there with us every step of the way. We will thank our brethren who checked on justice and, and the support of many in prayer. We mentioned a few. Brother Ed, Brother John, Brother Max, we could never forget your sacrifices and constant efforts. Thank you to the whole church for your unrelenting prayers and support, as well as text messages and phone calls to check on justice. May God bless you all. Justice, why don't you raise your hands? Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How the Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his throne Of his precious blood atoning Then I repented of my sin Love is peace. 